hello. It's been a little bit, but actually not that long. <laughs> um, but a long time since I recorded because I sat on the last one for a little bit. So of course, I'm here to ask you if I can read you something. I wanted to say uh, a little bit of background. Um, I kind of knew what I wanted to say, uh, but in the past two hours, everything has changed. <laughs> so I'm just gonna explain uh, what happened today. So in the past few hours, okay. So on my way home from work, I uh, was doing an audio journal. So I also um, journal through my voice notes. Uh, it's just like a really nice way to process things and to practice hearing things I say out loud. Um, sometimes for the first time or maybe something I didn't know that I felt. Um, I just found out that using my voice, my speaking voice, um, is one of my favorite ways to process. So audio journals for me. <laughs> um, it's made me feel just a little bit more compassionate towards myself and to really um, hold myself in a way that I've never been able to, that I've never been able to practice. So this is one that I'll share with you if, if you feel that might be supportive, but no pressure, just sharing. So I'm doing an audio journal and I'm thinking about recording today. Like, do I have time? You know, da da da. I knew I wanted to go to the beach. But it didn't feel like fitting for the reading that I, I have ready for today, which is In Search of Our Mother's Gardens by Alice Walker. Um, a story that called to me during my last um, cohort session uh, where Sarita asked us, what did she say? She said, she gave us a journal prompt asking us to think about our habitat, maybe an offering that we would give to our habitat. And I just really couldn't think of an answer. <laughs> no images came up, no thoughts, no sounds, like nothing was registering. So I started to um, just ground down a little bit and I felt this essay, the title of the book, um, titled essay, called to me. Uh, so I grabbed that and I read that and I've been kind of sitting with this reading um, over, I don't know, the week, week and a half, two weeks, whenever our last meeting was and I still haven't figured it out, <laughs> um, but I know that the answer is probably here, you know? I don't know if that happens to you, if a story or a book, a writer, artist, something calls out to you when you're searching for the answer. So yeah, so anyways, fast forward, we go to my favorite place to get smoked fish and then we ask the waitress where, what, you know, what beach entrance we should go to and she told us about this one and she said that it had a secret garden. <laughs> so you might have heard the birds, you might hear some noises because I am in public and just trying to see how a recording would do out here. So yeah, I, you know, so the point was, is I'm like, I'm talking about <laughs> searching for our mother's gardens and I'm going to be at the beach. I don't know if that fits. So this feels really nice. I'm really happy to be here. Um, and I'll share pictures so y'all can see. So anyways, uh, I think we should get grounded. I have my feet in the sand. So if you want, if you want to, maybe you'll place your feet on the ground. Maybe you'll push pause and take your socks and shoes off if those are on. But yeah, just take a minute, push pause, grab a water. I'm thinking about taking a sip myself. So yeah, get comfortable, find a seat. 
I'm gonna cue a little bit of breath and I will cue for it if your shoulders are stacked over your hips. So like seated upright or standing tall. Um, but I invite you to take any posture right now that feels most supportive to you in this moment. So yeah, I'm gonna grab a sip of water before we break. <laughs> I'm laughing because my friend Quan always makes fun of me <laughs> for twisting my the lid of my water bottle back on. <laughs> the sound is obnoxious. There was yeah, she sent me a TikTok that was like exactly who I am. So if you hang out with me, you're gonna hear that <laughs> that twist. Um, yeah. So hopefully you're settled. I'll put my feet, plant them back in the ground your feet are touching the earth maybe go ahead and connect with those four corners so the inner and outer heel the ball of your foot and the space behind your pinky and second toe four corners of your feet root down here and if it feels okay Maybe you imagine from those four corners that roots are beginning to sprout. They're sinking into the earth below you, the surface below your feet, reaching through all the soil, feeling those roots spread and reach for other plants, other people near you. Feeling safe and protected here in your rooted stance. Bring the awareness back from the soil, back to the soles of your feet, maybe up through your ankle, calf, knees. Go ahead and exhale here out the mouth. <sighs> nice. Inhale through the nose. Feeling that energy rise from the knees, up through your thighs, to your hips, creeping up to your belly button and to your diaphragm. Exhale. Inhaling through the nose. The awareness comes from the center of your body, up through your lungs, pressing out your sternum and into your throat. Exhale through the mouth. Inhaling through the nose, filling up the throat, the mouth, passing the third eye, the space between your eyes, center of your forehead, reaching, reaching, reaching up to the top of your head, feeling tall. Exhale through the mouth. Taking a few rounds of breath here. Settling into the body with each exhale. With each inhale, filling up just a little more space, making room in the body. 
Exhale, shoulders soften away from the ears. You have arrived to this moment. Maybe you were returning your awareness back to the sound of my voice. You can stay here just as is, or maybe you reach for a glass of water. Wanna read to you from In Search of Our Mother's Gardens by Alice Walker. I'm gonna read just a few excerpts from this essay in chronological order. I do this because of the sake of time and also because I really would love if you'd read the entire essay. So it's more of an invitation. So yeah, so stay comfortable if you feel that way now. Stay where you are. I'm gonna read from here. So I'm gonna place down the phone, grab a sip of water, and then I'll start. There that sound goes. Okay, I wasn't expecting to to sit like this, but it feels right. So I'm going to do that. In search of our mother's gardens. <clears throat> Black women are called in the folklore that so aptly identifies one's status in society, the mule of the world. Because we have been handed the burdens that everyone else, everyone else, refused to carry. We have also been called matriarchs super women and mean and evil bitches, not to mention castrators and Sapphire's mama. When we have pleaded for understanding, our character has been distorted. When we have asked for simple caring, we have been handed empty and inspirational appellations then stuck in the furthest corner. When we have asked for love, we have been given children. In short, even our plainer gifts, our labors of fidelity and love have been knocked down our throats. To be an artist and a black woman, even today, lowers our status in many respects rather than raises it. And yet, artists we will be. Therefore, we must fearlessly pull out of ourselves and look at and identify with our lives the living creativity some of our great-grandmothers were not allowed to know. I stress some of them because we, because it is well known that the majority of our great-grandmothers knew, even without knowing it, the reality of their spirituality, even if they didn't recognize it beyond what happened in the singing at church, 
and they never had any intention of giving it up. How they did it, those millions of black women who are not Phyllis Wheatley, our Lucy Terry, our Frances Harper, our Zora Hurston, our Nella Larson, or Bessie Smith, or Elizabeth Catlett, or Catherine Dunham either, brings me to the title of this essay, In Search of Our Mother's Gardens, which is a personal account that is yet shared in its theme and its meaning by all of us. I found, while thinking about the far-reaching world of the creative black woman, that often the truest answer to a question that really matters can be found very close. It is to my mother and all our mothers who are not famous that I went in search of the secret of what has fed that muzzled and often mutilated but vibrant creative spirit that the black woman has inherited and that pops out in the wild and unlikely places to this day. But when you will ask, did my overworked mother have the time to know or care about feeding the creative spirit? The answer is so simple that many of us have spent years discovering it. We have constantly looked high when we should have looked high and low. And so our mothers and our grandmothers have, more often than not, anonymously handed on the creative spark, the seed of the flower they themselves never hoped to see or like a sealed letter they could not plainly read. And so it is certainly with my own mother. Unlike Ma Rainey's songs, which retain their creator's name even while blasting forth from Bessie Smith's mouth, no song or poem will bear my mother's name. Yet so many of the stories that I write, that we all write, are my mother's stories. Only recently did I fully realize this, that through years of listening to my mother's story of her life, I have absorbed not only the stories themselves, but something of the manner in which she spoke, something of the urgency that involves the knowledge that her stories, like her life, must be recorded. It is probably for this reason that so much of what I have written about is characters whose counterparts in real life are so much older than I am. But the telling of these stories which came from my mother's lips as naturally as breathing, was not the only way my mother showed herself as an artist. For stories, too, were subjected to being distracted, to dying without conclusion. Dinners must be started and cotton must be gathered before the big rains. The artist that was and is my mother showed itself to me only after many years. And this is what I finally noticed. Like Mem, a character in the third life of Grange Copeland, my mother adorned with flowers whatever shabby house we were forced to live in. And not just your typical straggly country strand of zinnias either. She planted ambitious gardens, and still does, with over 50 different varieties of plants that bloom profusely from early March until late November. 
before she left home for the fields, she watered her flowers, chopped up the grass, and laid out new beds. When she returned from the field, she might divide clumps of bulbs, dig a cold pit, uproot and replant roses, or prune branches from her taller bushes or trees until night came and it was too dark to see. Whatever she planted grew as if by magic and her fame as a grower of flowers spread over three counties. Because of her creativity with flowers, even my memories of poverty are seen through a screen of blooms. Sunflowers, petunias, roses, dahlias, forsythia, spirea, delphiniums, verbena, and on and on. I notice that it is only when my mother is working in her flowers that she is radiant almost to the point of being invisible. Except as creator, Hand and I, she is involved in her work her soul must have, ordering the universe in the image of her personal conception of beauty. Guided by my heritage of a love of beauty and a respect for strength, in search of my mother's garden, I found my own. <laughs>